And that's it. I think you got. You got it. Hello and welcome to Chops Podcast, a podcast about best practices in teaching, knowing your teaching, knowing your content, and knowing your kids. With your two aspiring music education co-hosts, I am Jack Hinkle here with Steve Peterson. Happy to be here. Well. Steve, today is a bittersweet day. Bittersweet day. It is a bittersweet day. And I think everybody that has ever had a vacation can understand that. It's the end of vacation and the beginning for educators of a new school year. This is true. We are here. We are back in the building. Today is the first teacher day. No kids yet. But they'll be here in two days. Two days. Two days. So we did a half day of meetings today. And then tomorrow we'll do another morning of meetings and then afternoon in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. I should say, I'll be doing that. Right. Because you'll choose to do that. Because I'm choosing to be here tomorrow. That's great, Jack. And you are choosing. I will choose to not be at school tomorrow. I am choosing to go with my wife and my youngest son to move our youngest son into first year of college. Which is like a whole different level of bittersweet. All different level of bittersweet. So I have to take my first personal day of the year and help Jacob get moved into Purdue University as a freshman. Go Boilermakers. Roller up. So that will be a different um, look tomorrow for our family and helping him get situated and making sure every, everything's loaded and unloaded properly and he gets settled safely and gets the roommate thing going and say our goodbyes and help him start the next chapter. So when he moves into Purdue, mm -hmm. do they have like a move-in crew? Yeah, it's really cool. It's called BGR, the Boiler Gold Rush. So they give you a move in time, which I think is probably common for other schools, but you get a move in time and a, like a parking pass that tells you what side of the dorm good to go to at one time, like which loading dock to go mm -hmm. to. And you're met by this group of Purdue students, upperclassmen who are there to basically take your van and unload it and they move it into your student's room. So you as the parent, you just back the van up and they take and they encourage you to put your name on things like with masking tape sure. painting painters tape and they put it into some bins and they and whatever they dollies or whatever and they roll it into your student's room and they put it there and they say welcome and then i think tomorrow night they also have like opening activities for the campus-wide freshman orientation program so in the midst of that bittersweet process the boiler gold rush team kind of spreads a little bit of sunshine yeah. and says, hey, we got you. We're going to help you move into this, you know? Um, and it's the only time in their, you know, their time at Purdue, the first time they move in, they have this greeting team, which takes care of them. And your son, other son, yes. Adam was a part of that. Yeah, point, he right? had so much fun on that with the tours and the getting to know you activities and bonding games and, you know, explore the campus that he was a counselor for that for two years. So before his sophomore junior year, he did the run around the loading docks, pushing fridges up and down stairs, you know, microwaves, bedding, clothes. And when you sign up to do that, you know it's gonna be some hot day in the Midwestern yes. heat, right? In, in late August. Right. And you know you're gonna be literally heavy lifting yep and that's what you're doing for x amount of hours yes and it's volunteer you chose to come into class or into campus five days right. early and you're probably dealing with a lot of anxious parents and anxious kids anxious kids yeah and you're the first front of that chapter of the fall semester of saying welcome to purdue like hey how you doing and maybe a little small talk about where you're from what are you studying oh wow my brother lived there too or you know whatever and i have some kind of connection and we'll see you tonight at the football field and you know giving those students a chance to have a meaningful first connection and probably like the beauty of it 
is that as you're saying like some anxiety is that these are the first people that they're talking to and maybe one of the biggest or easiest relievers of that of that anxiety is saying i'll do it when they're looking at the back of the car full of coffee tables tvs dressers and yes. luggage i'll do it i'll do it and that's and one less thing the parents have to worry about that the kid has to worry about right and so that process started back in probably the winter of you know this past school year where the bgr team the crew said hey who's interested so they you know canvass the student body and see who's interested and kids all over campus go yeah i'll do it i'll do it i'll help out and uh, they kind of create this um, leadership synergy and kind of service synergy right that's cool yeah it's a, it's a it's a great thing which it becomes a big point of pride for the campus you know and something for students to look forward to so that's kind of where we're going this week right that's, i'll do it i'll do it i'll take care of it and this is an idea that you and i have seen outside of our professional lives that's um that we discovered like initially in our early college days yes right with the under the leadership of dr tim lautzenheiser who we've kind of brought up a few times in this podcast who is one of the educational leadership gurus specifically in music but he was a part of a summer camp a music summer mm -hmm. camp that S steve and i were both camp counselors for back in oh, our man. college days not together because we're yeah. he's a couple years older in college oh, than me right. um but that was kind of one of their their pillars is if something needs done do it do it and it's not it's not a big deal and it's but it's just like if something needs to take care of it's like okay i'll do it right. and it just got taken care of um your that whole like idea of the purdue gold rush boiler gold, boiler rush, gold rush um that like t totally took me to the um the tom sawyer effect have you heard of this no what's that it's kind of fascinating but you know like the the old fable of like tom sawyer painting the fence oh yeah yeah right and that was his job yes like he got paid to paint the fence and he was like he made it look just like this really exciting thing to do like okay. he really wanted yeah, it yeah and some kid was walking by and he's like dude i'm loving painting this fence <laughs> yeah. it's like so fun and this kid's like ah cool like you think you'd let me try a little bit and tom's like playing this out right, right he knows like, what no, he's doing yeah, he's like no nah, i don't know i really want to paint this fence. <laughs> and the kid's like oh please do and he goes well, okay yeah, i'll let you paint him. and then tom sawyer invented free labor by doing yeah, that right exactly. like, but the idea is that he made it so um like i don't know likable like oh you want to do that it's enviable. fun yeah it's enviable and apparently it was a win-win because this kid got to paint the fence that which he apparently wanted to do and tom didn't have to work but made the money from made it. the money now that's like a very trite and like not a great example of real world application right however this boiler gold rush right totally could be like seen as a not fun thing to do as a drag because you are out in the heat you are <laughs> heavy lifting stuff and you do have to deal with anxious parents and kids but I'm guessing, I mean, all these kids did volunteer probably because they had a really good experience with whoever was on their boiler gold rush when they were the ones moving right. in and they want to be able to pay that forward. And you got some like social people that, you know, do genuinely like talking to parents and kids. That right. Are and then in. a lot of these kids are leaders on campus and may be involved in student groups. And then through the week, they get to be ambassadors of their student group. So they're they're already like in the, they're in the, in the weeds, weeds, yes. So to speak. Well, it, I was just thinking about like you would um, thinking of the Tom Sawyer effect of like, isn't this great? Like, who wouldn't want to paint this fence? Right. Like, this is great. Like, imagine how that would go if you flipped a script and there was an email that went out to Purdue students and it said, "Look, we need five hundred and two students. They have to be second, third, or fourth year." We have to have them in by August 10th. Mandatory training for 20 hours. And you have to be there for five days. There'll be a lot of lifting and you need to unload every car. I, we have to have 502 people. If not, we're taking names. Like imagine how that would go. I could tell you how that would go. Yeah. Delete. Cricket. Yeah. Right. It's like, do you want hostages or volunteers? 
bingo, bingo. bang my coffee. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. And you could almost guarantee that even if they offered pay, some sort of compensation for the BGR, it would either keep the same amount of participation or lower. Lower the participation level and probably most definitely lower the joy level. Maybe even the achievement level. The achievement, the the efficacy, right? That's fascinating. Yeah, of um, volunteers and um, yeah, the Tom Sawyer effect of saying like how wonderful this is and look at look it's over here so what was your um what were some of your takeaways with that you 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 volunteered with um at ball state university as a college student and you were known as a swag yes s-w-a-g you were the part of the swag team and that acronym swag was like that was a long time. I mean, that was in your days. They yes. were called swags before swag kind of came like a buzzword yeah. culturally. Um, but there were a team of us, probably, what would you say, like 40 or 50? Yep. And this camp had three or 4,000 students. And it was a lot of kids. A lot of kids. I mean, we took up all of like Ball State's campus and we were, you know, spread out into like seven or eight different tracks. We had like a marching band track, a drum major track, a concert band track, and it was all music focused. And the swags were divided up into those tracks as well. And each had like a team of probably seven to 10 for each track. Um, And I was on the operative team. So I was like taking care of behind the scenes stuff. But the, the camp lasted about 10 days and the swags were there for about, I wanna say like 14 or 15. So we were there like a day or two ahead of the kids and we stayed a day or two after the kids plus the leadership camp that was optional to some of those kids. So we had about two weeks together as this team of 50 and, you know, doing literally everything together and you're, you know, you're sleeping on campus. Um, The quickest thing that I noticed that was instant effect was the culture that when you did like your, little orientation for swags 50 people in the room everyone sat like this yeah i'm sure you remember that yes. and anytime there was any applause or acknowledgement standing ovation yep. every time it, and it wasn't to acknowledge the achievement level i i mean that's probably on the outside looking in is what mm. you would believe but it was the idea that anything you did it's 100 percent. and that was the culture that was created and it had 100% buy-in. I don't know how that happened over the years. Right. That's kind of fascinating. Because that all sounds very familiar. And mine was 25 years in front of yours. Right. And mine was at a different campus in Wisconsin, um, a recent college graduate. And Dr. Tim was the manager or the team leader of the swags. Right. And same type of thing. I was with a group of swags that were in charge of the jazz band sector. And so we'd get music stands and extra copies of music and making sure that the clinician had everything they need or taking care of sick kids. And then you'd counsel the kids at night in the dorm, right? Kind of help yeah, them do your resident, yep. resident advisor work. And working very long days, very long days. Very long. But just whatever needed to be done, it was not just that you did it, but you kind of did it with that sense of joy and a sense of um, spontaneity and a sense of, um, willingness and it was very infectious <laughs> yes. like those people that i hung out yes. with were dynamic people and i was like and i've kept in touch with some of them and they're yeah incredible incredible people and probably not doing incredible work right no it's just stuff that needed to be done setting up the band room yeah. stacking the chairs picking up the trash right Somebody forgot their clipboard over in the football field. I'll get it, right? I forgot my batteries. I lost my walkie-talkie. I got it. And Tim called it um, like swag dust, swag Mm -hmm. fairy Mm -hmm. dust. And he thought that like one of the most beautiful things or like the coolest thing, maybe the most mysterious, the most infectious about being a swag is that if you took care of something when no one was looking and no one noticed it, but it just was suddenly fixed that's like swag dust when no one was looking when no one was looking and no one 
And I've thought about this because I kind of thought that was really intriguing that it, it supplies a few gifts. One, it's the gift that whatever task needed done got done. Yes. Second, I think it relieves the, the benefactor of that task from any sort of guilt, any sort of like compensation back. Mm. And, it, and it's, they don't have to be asked to deny it. It's just like, it was done. You didn't even notice and we're good. And so he, he almost would, I think he told us to like find more of those opportunities, see like if you can get it done while no one's looking and it's just like magically done and everything is just working and it's, and it's beautiful for that way. So that the clinicians are just like not even worried about. So they can just show up and teach. Right. Right. And the students can show up and be students. Right. And for the teachers and possibly students listening, you could think of how much easier your job would be if all you had to do was the 50 minutes in front of the kids six times a day. Yes. Lessons were already copied, yep. right? Yep. Grades were already in the book. Yep. You just show up and that's what we did. Right. We were the behind the scenes so that the, the teacher could teach, the students could learn. And that was, I'm thinking it was probably a brainchild of Dr. Tim Lautzenheiser, affectionately known as Dr. Tim, of, of creating this culture. And certainly, like one of the his staples, I know you have a couple other reference stories, but one of the things that he used to do, and I can remember doing this in high school, going to a leadership camp myself, is that you would be at a college cafeteria and people would be done with their meals. And Dr. Tim, who is probably the best well-known music educator in our country. Sure. And really has a presence and a following. He would stand up when he was done with his meal and he would go from table to table and start clearing the table. Like we're talking hundreds of kids, thousands of kids. And he would start taking their cafeteria trays and their drinks and their straws. Can I get that for you? Can I get that? He'd go up to high school kids and do that. So there's Dr. Tim, right? Yeah. The, the leader, the brainchild of all this and kind of the celebrity on campus, right? Dr. Tim. And then what do you think happened? then some of the swags would stand up and they'd start clearing tables. And then what do you think would happen? Some of the seniors and juniors that were a part of the leadership academy, they did. So the next thing you knew, there's like 50 people bussing tables. Not because you didn't, not because you weren't allowed to clear your own table, but just that it is kind of like the boiler gold rush idea. It's just like, it was something very kind and it was like a gift and it was free and it was helpful and they didn't even ask for it, right? And so those kind of things would happen by design. And I think Dr. Tim knew that he, if he did it, people would follow. People would follow. But then his expectation, his hope, was that Jack Kinkle would do that in his life, or Steve Peterson would do that in his life. And you start being the, you start clearing the table and see if you can get other people to do it. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You're right. And it does, I know I've talked about self-awareness in kids. Like that's a skill I would like to develop. I think that's a great way to develop self-awareness because there's probably like some freshman or, you know, sixth or seventh grader that was at that camp and was like, wow. Like leaning back in his chair, like this is great. Someone's picking up my trash every day. Like Free ice cream. This and is someone's taking my. This trash. is the life, man. This is great. And then all the other kids are like, "You're missing it. Like right. that's that's not the point." But I think that's. I mean, that's genius because that's like, that is what we would call a soft skill, right? In mm -hmm. terms of you know high school education, but that really got people thinking in terms of others and thinking in terms of what we can do to benefit the group. And anyone who was picking up that trash was doing it because they wanted to, not because yeah. they had to. And Dr. Tim, like, you know, he had, as you said, he has his things, um, but he had the whole thing of perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And he would, this is not a great demonstration for a podcast, but I'll describe it. I'm putting my finger above my head and drawing a circle. Okay. And I'm, as I look at it, the circle is clockwise and I'm pulling my finger down and now it's under my head and I'm looking down at my finger moving the same way, but suddenly it's counterclockwise, <laughs> right? Yeah. My, and, and the idea is that my finger was moving in the same direction, like, like that, nothing changed there. The only thing to change was my perspective. I'm instead of looking up at it, I'm now looking down at it. And he was kind of a master 
of getting people to change their perspectives. Yeah. And, you know, he's, we're talking about this idea of I'll do it. And it's not because I have to, it's because I want to. And in the words of Steve Peterson, you always have a choice. You always have a choice. That's, All right, folks, that's it. No, that's it. Kidding. That was good. Yeah. So, so you and I have talked about this, um, and we sat, we've been sitting in this practice room for probably close to two hours now, and we were thinking, like, what do we, what do we, should? but this idea of I'll do it is something that's evident in classrooms. I mean, the master teachers have their, have their system set up um, so that things get done, but if you can get the students to find that inherently, yeah, that's kind of, that's big. I don't feel like I'm there yet. No. But I think the so idea... I'm not saying you're no, like, agreeing with you. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm being... I'm like, no, I'm Jack, I've seen No, no, I definitely do not have them, bro. You don't have anything. No, I'm thinking about myself. Or I'm, I'm, you're saying you don't have it I'm either. I'm paralleling your thoughts. Got it. Okay. So, but that's something that we thought is worth talking about because we would love to teach our students to have a little more self-awareness and if something needs done do it say i'll do it or on the other side if something needs done in in our professional life or with our colleagues we'll say i'll do it i'll do it i got you <laughs> that's there's so many things like um you know i think of the like some of the people i work with and some of the best examples of that are people that have been like into building services. Oh yeah. Yep. And people that keep the building clean or, I mean, just the, the, the level of communication, like with something as like trivial as like room temperature, like communicating with somebody that controls the room temperature and just the, the kindness and the, reassuredness that it gets like yeah i got it totally i'll take care of it i got you don't worry about it and you know and just kind of looking after it maybe the next day saying hey was everything okay yesterday you know no we, the temperature's been wrong or um and then also in the minds of somebody in um that takes care of your facilities if everybody could have the mind of the facilities that they work in of people that are quote paid to do that so like when you're walking down the hallway and there's trash right you there's a chair and a stand out in the middle of the hallway or there's a really large item in the trash that just needs to go to the dumpster you know something like that that would be a great help but also just um, this is kind of going against the Dr. Tim scene, but if people did that in front of each other, like picking up trash in the hallway, and I'm like, like, like literally picking up trash in the hallway. Yes. Not that there's a lot, but obviously it happens. Or, um, so I, I do, I do think about that. I think about people that kind of beat you to the punch about what do you need. I'm going to go sideways for a second. Go. I think I'm. I think I might be onto something. Okay, okay. Go. Shopping carts. Boom. Now you and I talked about this beforehand, but I think I have a different twist on. I now. sent you the meme, Jack. That's all you do is send me memes anymore. <laughs> My in Instagram inbox is flooded by At Steve least the Simple. One every three days. I'm fire. That's as much interaction as I get on social media. Okay, so <laughs> grocery stores, yeah. shopping cart return. Which grocery store? has the best ratio of shopping carts taken out back in the best. I'll take, what is Aldi for 500? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Correct. We're going to talk about the why in a second, but when you go to a grocery <laughs> store or just any supermarket, whatever, you get your shopping cart out at inside the store. <laughs> what is so funny? Because I'm just thinking like, I know you're building this up, but then like, some grocery stores have like anti-theft lock wheels on it when you take it outside the perimeter. So we have a whole different range of expectations. Wait, 
Are you for real? I've yeah. never heard of that. I was trying to think where I was the other day. The wheels stop moving if you try and steal the shop. Yeah, if you get outside a certain radius, the, wheel, the wheels awesome. lock up. That is awesome. <laughs> so, They're like, but that's like... You're only going five miles an hour, <laughs> sucker. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do is steal a shopping cart. But it's like run. so... Okay, we've, we've become so broken in parts of society that we have to lock them. Okay, anyway, Aldi <laughs> and continue. Right, so you, you get the groceries cart at most stores inside the store. Then you take it out and you, after you buy all your stuff and you have it next to your car, you load up your trunk and then you take it to the little rack, right? That's in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Why does Aldi have the best return rate? Well, I'll tell you why, Jack, is because I want my quarterback. But <laughs> see, yes, but how many times do you go to the cart return and the quarter's still in the cart? Right? That happened to me a couple days ago. It's not the quarter. It's not the quarter that puts you back there. It's because that's like the expectation. And if you leave your car outside in an Aldi parking lot, it's you're like, come on, dude. You're, you're you broke the system. You broke the system. But if you go to like Target or Meyer, that they're all over the place. Don't even get me going on Walmart. Right. Right. right but they're right, all right. over the place because they don't care you about really the think system. Most people don't get their quarters back. I think they do get their quarterback. I get my quarterback because I need my Aldi quarter, right? Or else I'm not getting a car. See, okay. I, I did that for a few months in the winter and spring. I just would, I would return it and leave my quarter there. But then I had no more quarters left in my car. Then and I was like, Steve, it. okay, thinking of other people kind of led to your demise of getting a shopping cart. Because <laughs> then I, I didn't have any quarters. I couldn't go shopping this week, kids. Sorry. So I now take my quarter in honor of the system. It's not it's not about the quarter, it's about the system. Right? It's true. We should camp out someday at Aldi to see who leaves their carts out of Because they don't. There you don't see carts left out there. And there's but... no there's no carts in the parking lot. It's up next right. to the building. Right. It's up next to the building. You gotta go all the way back. You have right. And that's a pain. Right? Because you dump off your groceries and, and then you gotta walk the cart. That's like an extra trip that you're taking compared to Martin's Meyer, Which They whatever. have them every ten feet. Right. And they still throw them. And they in the still middle. throw them in the. Fascinating. It's the system. It's not the quarter. And then, because if oh, if you walk gosh. by somebody like in a parking lot, like a Walmart or Target, and you see the cart left out, yes, that's still lame. But it's different. If I've I've never seen anyone at Aldi do that, right? No. And I think it's because of the system, and people understand that their groceries cost less, because there is a little bit more on the consumer end. In mm -hmm. terms of responsibility, right? You got to bring your own bags. Mm -hmm. You got to have the quarter for your cart. And it's not like slick displays. No, it's just, it's very minimal. You yes. just get your stuff, do your thing. Right. But people buy into the system and understand the system. Wow. You know, maybe in the band room, we should have stand racks. Have quarters on the stand racks. Quarters on the stand racks. Dude. Right? Mr. Peterson, I forgot my quarter. Yeah, <laughs> well, so better memorize it. Better memorize your music. You're driving that out, kids. So, so the idea of that, of buying into the system, mm. right? And that's, I mean, that's the same thing with Dr. Tim, is that he got people to buy into his system. Mm -hmm. And we all have our own systems in our classrooms, businesses, whatever, that we're trying to work through. And if we can create the culture that I'll do it, then we got it we're onto something right and that and that's a it's a lot different um perspective thinking about the swag dust keeping that idea of like doing that without anybody noticing as opposed to the stereotypical student that says who would like to who would like to empty the um, pencil sharpener today i do i do you know that or who would um who can, um, you know, whatever in, in your business, who who t today could go to the um, warehouse to get the extra toner? I will, I will. Like those students and employees that step up to the front automatically, but they raise their hand in the front row like, I got, I'll do it. Kind of like this badge of honor. Right. Right. You want to be that kid or that employee that does that, which has its own merits, but there's also a sense of like community reward or like expectations. So this is kind of like the anti. Well, I think it goes back to our our weeding mm -hmm. episode because mm -hmm. you're 
you're trying to kind of homogenize. Mm -hmm. Not that we want only grass or only flowers or only weeds or whatever, but right. if we can, you don't want to give the flowers all the positive attention. Yeah. You want to get you want to get everything kind of equally involved, and right. and if you can get everything bought into the system, it helps everything run smoother. It helps everything run smoother, and especially when we're talking about like teams of people. Yes, five, ten, fifteen, two hundred oh people, five hundred people, like large corporations, right? That obviously spend a lot of money, a lot of time investing into programs to try to get people moving in lockstep. So when we're thinking about this, it seems like the easiest thing for us to think about is marching band because that is just a large moving, large group of people mm -hmm. where a lot needs to get done. But you can think about it in your in your other classes as well. And, and you think about it, as you said, like cleaning up after yourself. Could be getting an extra pencil for somebody that needs one or mm -hmm. whatever. So then there's this idea of delegation because it's kind of like the thing with um like when you do your cpr training mm -hmm. they tell you when if you're going to get someone to call 911 you don't say somebody call 911 you say you and point at somebody call 911 because if you just throw it out there people are like are saying are you going to do it am i going to do yeah. it what do we so so there is a sense of like hesitancy mm -hmm. and especially working with kids where they're worried that they're gonna make a mistake, they're gonna get in trouble for doing something they shouldn't have, or they just are afraid. And I would like to create a culture where if you have integrity, you're just trying to do the right thing, even if you blow it up, I'm not gonna get on you for that. Because mm -hmm. you're you're attempting, you mm -hmm. want to be helpful, you're doing it, the, you, you want to do it, you just did it the wrong way. That's, that's on me, like mm -hmm. I'll coach you, I, I'll help you, but keep doing that. Mm -hmm. So I think there is like a, a fine line of balancing it because you're talking about also just like throwing out the, you know, the Hail Mary saying, sure. who wants to do this? Right. Oh, I will, I will. You don't want that, but delegating too much is, is maybe like prescripted is prescripted yeah. you want it to have a little more right i would i would think with some of the students that maybe feel self-conscious yeah like the, the swag dust is a great approach perfect try to do it when nobody's looking or try to do an act of kindness or productivity where nobody notices it but you notice the result but you don't know how it got done right i think there's students well let's just say humans jack pro-human pro-human okay the humans don't want to uh be criticized by their fellow humans and that includes doing good things because you might be seen as like what's your angle why are you doing this why why are you volunteering to do this what are you trying to do what's your yeah. angle right? brown noser right exactly yeah and that might take some of the pressure off of those students wanting to do good and take a step in, but not getting seen for or credit, help them do it for the right reason and not feel like they're gonna get single. Isn't that terrible that we're like worried about that? It is terrible, but as you said, there's a reason to be worried about it right. because of people who do that. Right, people maybe that have abused that system. Right. All over life, right? So this is, this is trying to be very authentic. We've used that word before. Very authentic, very humble, and very selfless. And very productive, Yeah. right? To help the group. So you think about it in a uh, marching band. Um, Perfect example is one that you and I have talked about before is getting people in the right spots. Mm -hmm. And in marching band, we often, now now I'm gonna pause for a moment. We're saying marching band, but literally cut and paste anything. Because okay. what we're talking about here has nothing to do with music. Right. Nothing to do with music. But for example, we march a parade at Cedar Point. Okay. And we, every year we create a block of students so that they're standing in like a row of six. Mm -hmm. And then on the, I mean, it's a parade. So however many, 
20 or 30 in a line, right? And we set it up by section. So we typically tell the kids, okay, you got a row of six and your, your group has 40 to 50. Mm -hmm. Mine's got about 40. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be, you know, close to seven, seven mm -hmm. rows. And you want to have older people on the outside mm -hmm. and let's mix up older and younger. Go. And it never really works out that well, right? You got, you just got like older people kind of looking around confused and, and but that's on us because we didn't prep it well enough, right. right? And now you and I will get our hands in there and we'll start moving people around. But what I would love is for one of my older kids to take that over. And another Dr. Tinism, if I may use that term, is if anything can be done by the kids, any work can be done by the kids, have them do it because there is a lot of work that the kids cannot do that you have to do as the teacher. So whatever they can do, have them do it. That's not, I mean, yes, that's like a logistical thing to make things easier on us, but also it's, it's this idea of growing them, mm -hmm. creating the sense of I'll mm -hmm. do it, mm -hmm. creating the sense of, of leadership and, right. and task managing. And I would love for like an older kid to just like take that bull by the horn and go, okay, you're here, you're here, I'm here. Okay, you take those two kids, go back there and just give very direct orders. So you know what would happen though? I'm just thinking Tell about, me. Uh, this is what's gonna happen, is that if you had 40 kids and you said, get in rows of six, and you did your parameters, older kids on the outside, younger kids in the middle, mix them up, go. And you know, Bobby Peterson steps up and goes, I'm, I got it. Everybody listen up, I got this. And Bobby's like, I got this. I'm doing this because Bobby's like been watching Jack Kinkle for the last three years. He's like, I know this gig. I've seen this before. I know where it goes. You go here, you go here, you go here. And that boy uses a louder voice. He stands up taller. He's in the middle of the group. He's telling people where to stand. He doesn't ask opinions. Then the tide turns on him. And then that boy becomes called out oh bobby was like so he's mean so mean he was like was barking out his tell him what to do and so it's like that that's like a real consequence right thanks society like when someone raises their voice and offers their opinion to do something better you get seen as like a um tyrant if you're a peer if you're a peer right and I'm, I'm talking at a local level, right. like like on a team. Right. Like you're seeing like as a bully, like loudmouth. You're telling tell everybody what to do. You know, you're a senior. Why do you have to tell everybody what to do? When in actuality, that student is doing what they should be doing. So then it's just like, well, do, do we help the kids enough to be humble enough to be led by other peers? When somebody wants to lead, you know? Now you and I can think of many situations where that could have a spectrum mm -hmm. of where kids could get really ticked off at how Bobby's going or Bobby did a fine job and it doesn't really have to do as much with what Bobby said in that moment but what Bobby has been doing for the past one to four years if Bobby has a reputation of being like a really yep. calm nice guy smart good at what he does mm -hmm. people be like oh thanks Bobby Okay. But if Bobby is like not great at what he does, kind of causes trouble and, and distracting. Not dependable. Not dependable. People will say, Bobby, what are you doing? Right. And and there's, again, a spectrum of as far as good as that goes and as not good as that goes where people people can fall. And it, it is one of the tough things about being the peer because you and I as the teacher, teachers, we can say whatever we want to the kids yes. and say, you go here, you go here. And they're just, we just go, okay. But that's the rapport we have with them because we're right. the adults authority figures. So trying to create that sense of I'll do it. You're right. You could get into hot water if it's not careful. Right. Um, but the sense of, of I'll do it, I think lies more in the doing less than the saying. Right. And if you got, if, if Bobby just started like pointing, tapping people on the shoulder, getting, there's less to be lost in translation yeah. in terms of right. the, the the feelings. And when we're talking to like about this I'll do it stuff, 
maybe that wasn't the best example for me to use because it, it really is like the more behind the scenes stuff or just like the tasks, less engaging people. It is, and I and I, I was trying to think a lot, well, how do we learn how to get better at that? And I think you learn by observing other people. And so then it makes me think of myself as a leader in the community. And do I offer that examples to students enough? Or would they know if it's swag dust, you know, if it's behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but are they getting that example from me to want to replicate that? And then like, who am I watching? How have I learned that? You know, and I'm certainly still learning, but I know through my teaching career, I watched other people and I was like, that's what I need to be doing. That's how I need to be talking. That's how I need to act. I'll right. throw you one for right, um, moments of, I'll do it. Uh, this is this is one you did that you just said I'll really? do it. Well, yeah, I don't know. You don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, this was, I think it was two years ago, in concert band. And we were just having a normal day teaching. <laughs> and <laughs> in one of... One of our flute players screams. Oh yeah, yeah. and which is which not is a common not a occurrence. common occurrence. Right. Um, and what oh. I'm about to tell you happened in about the span of seven seconds. Right. It's true. About seven I seconds. I think I know what you're talking about. Now you know what I'm talking about. This, so where's team teaching? You know, you're on the podium. You're you're the one leading it. I'm walking around behind <laughs> behind the kids in the chairs. Kid screams. And a flute player screams. Didn't know what was going on. And some of the other flute players and like the clarinets in the front row start pointing like <laughs> right around behind where Steve is. And, and again, about a half second has passed since this girl scream and Steve's like, what is going on? And so we all kind of look around where the girls are pointing and there is like a little mouse just yes. like running across the band room. And we're about two seconds in right. now. Steve kind of figures out what's going on. I figure out what's going on. Steve stands up from the podium, gets out from underneath the music stand, stomps on the mouse. It's true. You stomped on that mouse. Yeah. I don't think you thought about it. Well, it hid itself behind the piano cover. Did that happen first? It was a blur. It, it was, was, I mean, it was really quick. So but you, it was, but it was going away from us and I sought it out. And you saw, but, oh, so you went after it. Yeah. Okay. So you went, you got it out of the yeah. piano cover. You shook it out and stomped, stomped on it. it. And of course, more screams at that point. It's right. like, yo, no, you killed it. No, like, and, yeah, what it do you want pretty, me to do? Let it, it go? pretty much chaos in the classroom. I mean, right, point. right. So you, you just <laughs> stomped on the mouse. And so that was about the six seconds. Right. And then there is a dead mouse on the floor right. and now you can't just go on with the dead <laughs> mouse there so you went over to like the extra music yeah, that yeah. we keep copies of you just got a piece of paper out and you wrapped it around <laughs> your hand and grabbed the mouse through the piece of paper yeah and then he took it outside took it outside perfect example of i'll do it <laughs> Right. Because you took care of the situation. Yeah, Did terrible. you want to stomp on the mouse? No, I'm guessing not. Did you no. want to throw it away? I'm guessing you didn't really want to pick it up, even no. with the piece of paper in between. But that's one thing that had to happen. And there was a little bit of a sense of urgency that it needed to be done yes. in that moment. Well, thank you. That was um, my that was your my moment pleasure of to um, you know take care of the rodents in our building. And leaves us with another cult classic story that will go <laughs> Maybe down. That could be a band, a band piece. Oh, mouse stomp. Stompy mouse. Yeah. Mouse stomp. Mouse stomp. It could be a hard rock tune. Mouse stomp the mouse. Okay. He will <laughs> stomp the mouse. There you go. Could be out next year. How Leonard, if you're listening, hire me. Um Yeah, that's that's good. But th things need to get done. And we we learn that okay i'm not i'm not a psychologist so for those of you like deep into it please don't critique me too hard but some of that were we must be born with some kind of innate like 
compassion or empathy to wanting to help out certain people. Yeah. Right? And then certainly there's a good part of it, large part that we are nurtured that's been demonstrated to us through our family and our friend and our communities and our, right? Yeah. And then hopefully that, you know, then that gets passed on by watching those things in action or stories being passed on. Yeah. Right? Like the Dr. Tim, like those things that are like live on. Right. right? Those, those kind of examples. Um, I think of, you know, this is one that has nothing to do with music, has nothing to do with school, has to do with a dear friend of mine, Pete, who lives in Ooh. Chicago. And this is like the quintessential example of how can I help? It was a number of years ago. Boys were a lot younger. Um, they were not teenagers. Um, and at the time, my mother was going through some medical procedures and she was at an out-of-town hospital. And it, and it involved Kathy and myself going up to the hospital at one point in the middle of the summer for a few days. And we came back and then mom wasn't doing well again. And so I had to leave in the middle of the night. And I think I left Elkhart like at midnight and I was driving up to Minnesota and so I was on the road and I don't know it was something like I was in Chicago maybe it was even later because it was like I was in Chicago like maybe around 4 a.m. and the, the idea was I was going to drive all the way to to Minnesota and then my wife Kathy thankfully called me and said Hey, I don't really know if this is the best thing for you to drive. I was in the middle of band camp too. Yeah, I don't know if this is the best thing for you to drive like 12 hours. Yeah. Like, um, I've been looking at flights for you to fly out of O'Hare. Okay. So I got to like downtown Chicago, just out this actually just north of the city where 90 and 94 split, northwest side, 90 and 94 split, and I pulled off and I pulled into a parking lot. And so it's again, it's like 4 a.m. And my good friend Pete and his wife Kathleen live in Chicago. And I pulled off. Kathy had told me she's getting a reservation for me at O'Hare for later that morning. And I knew Pete and Kathleen lived in that neighborhood. So I called up Pete on a cell phone. And he said, as soon as he picked up the phone, he goes, what do you need? You know, it wasn't like, what are you doing, bro? It's the middle of the night. He goes, hey, Steve, what do you need? Because he knew if I was calling him at 4 a.m., I needed something. And I told him what's going on. He goes, get over here. And I got over there. There was a pot of coffee on. He served me breakfast. He parked my car. He took me to the airport. He left keys for me because then when I came home the next week, uh, his family's on vacation. So he left keys for me for the car and for the house so I could get lunch and you know, like, what do you need? Right. And I've told that student, I've told that story to, to students before. Just that act of what do you need or how can I help? Right. And, you know, like for me, like that example of a person in my life who offered that kind of generosity or helpfulness, helpfulness to me has been a source of inspiration. And then I've told that story many times to students. I've told it many times to my sons. And like, this is how you act towards people, right? And, um, you know, I, I always, that when we start talking about this, you know, how can I help? Um, what is it that you would like? Or, you know, how can I be helpful? That was one of the stories I think of. You've told that story countless times. Yes. I've heard that. Yeah. This, at least five. Yes. But that is contagious. And I think people want that. Like yes. I think some a lot of people want to seek that kind of opportunity out. Like how how can I help? Yeah, like you want to be that guy. There. You want to be Pete. You do. And and the the opposite of that is uh -oh. not contagious. I'm just thinking like okay, yeah. here's here's what I need. I need this, or you do this for me. Yes. Like that. 
that dies down real quick. Yeah. But if you can, and, and we talked about, I mean, it goes back to that Dr. Tim thing, which is picking up the trays. It's the same idea. And yeah. that is something that you remember that inspires you and that you're trying to give that away too. Right. And, and I know that we mentioned that, you know, being a camp counselor is a selfless job. It's a, it's a tired job, right? An exhausting job. It is. And that is not sustainable. Like being a swag working in a camp is not sustainable for 30 years. Right. But that, right. I mean, um, cause you have to live your life, you know, <laughs> you, right. Aside from 5,000 kids. And so, yeah. but you, but it's the mindset in my place where I am in my home, my church, my school, my neighborhood, what, what can I do? Well, how, how can I be that, um, agent of swag dust? So as we go forward, how do we implement this with our kids? We mandate it. We make it a grade. We check it every day. Because you know, the more grades you give. If they don't help out, we fail them. That's how education works. We call works. their parents and tell them, your kid's not helping. No. <laughs> um, I think we offer glimpses. We offer them a glimpse into the, whatever this is, bowl. Yeah, you're holding your hands together uh, for those. Know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. He's, like he's going to blow a kiss to the microphone. <laughs> Who are you? We, I think we have to, we lead by example, but have to be careful not to make, it's not about us. It, I'm, we're not exalting us, ourselves. We're exalting like the behavior or, or, recognize it in other students yeah. which is not what they want because we have some swag dust people in our school and we acknowledge that and then you reach back and you tell stories of dr tim or of pete and you you bring that into the conversation as examples and i think you visit it probably more frequently than we think we need to we visit it more frequently then we think we need to. Yeah, we we need to visit. Oh, we it more. need to do it more. We need yeah. to visit more frequently with the students. Yes, and maybe especially with the older students. Yeah. Like you have a something. I know we are kind of just like wrapping up that idea, but you use something that you're intentional with is like Santa Claus. Yeah, that kind of goes it does. through this process. Which I will say, Timism. it is a Doctor Timism, and I think the kids. When we, we did our picture day, right? Yeah. And I know you, you yeah. always do like your own yeah. little photo with them yeah, or yeah. whatever. And I said, okay. And I like, we got all queued up and I had my phone out and I was like, okay. And I was like, wait, what do we say? I'm like, what are we saying? What do we say? I don't want to do cheese. I mean, like last year we did barbecue sauce because yeah. that was like our little inside joke. And then a bunch of kids said Santa. So we said Santa on three. So, so what's they, that, what's that they're mean? buying into it. Um, there are three stages of your life in terms of Dr. Tim was what okay. you said. First stage is that you believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. And for those of you that celebrate Christmas, it's like really exciting because you know presents are gonna come under the tree and that's like a big thing you look forward to outside of like the religious sides of things, sure. just like the, the secular kind of Christmas. Um, that's exciting and you don't know how, how they get there or why you're not really concerned. You're just like, boom, presents. Next phase is you don't believe in Santa. You sniff it out, it's not mm -hmm. that real and then it kind of loses its magic mm -hmm. and yeah, you still get the presents, but like, what is, it's not, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just like a day of the year that you just get stuff. Not that exciting. Final stage is you become Santa Claus. And you're the one putting the presents under the tree. And the magic, instead of receiving the gifts, is mm -hmm. turned to giving the gifts. Mm -hmm. And that is far more valuable mm -hmm. when you hit that age. And I've been... I've been telling my kids this for a few years now. Um, and after they make fun of not believing in Santa Claus anymore, pretending like they still do, sure. I think they start to understand too, because a lot of our kids, you know, the older ones, 16 or 17, they're kind of getting into giving gifts. L literally speaking, like mm -hmm. they, they appreciate seeing people 
receive things that they give them and they can understand what that means. And when we talk about that in terms of school and working on a team is that you're trying to look for opportunities to give things away, mm -hmm. your time, your effort, your labor. Mm -hmm. And they, un I'm hoping that they are understanding that if that is done, then the final product is even greater, that the team is even greater and that it's more than just the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. And similarly, you have talked about like setting the table with your kids. Mm -hmm. You tell them, go set the table. Mm -hmm. And that means, I was, that was like, a, I was like, take it, take it, take it. No, like you're setting the table. If you're the host, Yeah. your primary focus is on those coming to your home and that you're making sure that everything is accounted for and they have a place to sit and that they eat first, right? Yeah. And that you serve and that you're, it's not important for you to be at the front. Yes. You know, to get everything, but to make sure that your guest has everything they need. Yes. Um, slight, I don't know if this is like a real, real example, but like last week we were rehearsing and we were doing our, um, our arcs, we rehearsed in an mm -hmm. arc and we always have the kids stand in like parts. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, my kids did not make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, fascinating. Yeah, right right. And so I was like, okay, where are my first? And they raised their hand and then where are my seconds? And then we're like a smattering here and here and thirds where I was like, okay. I said, don't fix it now. Cause it's inconvenient. Yeah. But you have, we're going to be in here for another 25 minutes. Fix it when it's convenient. And they did. And I don't know when it happened. Good. So they absolutely did their job. They did exactly what I asked. And there wasn't a big commotion. It wasn't a commotion. I didn't even notice they did yeah. it. But that was like that was like a good teachable moment that they figured out how to make it happen without distracting. Um, but I, I want to be able to keep teaching that self-awareness and getting kids to do that stuff. Because you're right. It's a battle. It's like paradoxical almost that we have to... Um, use an example of I'll do it, even though we want to give that away. That's that's a challenge. And we've seen some some rock star students kind of sniff that out and yeah. get, get going with that. Maybe what I'll do tonight is, uh, have you seen some of those stand racks outside of, in the business hall? Oh, the ones that were like um, munched by an 18 wheeler? Yeah, I've been through the nuclear right holocaust. Yeah. yeah, I think I just want to like wheel that out or something in the NPR and see like, Maybe someone will just like start fixing it. It's kind of like bait, you know? But that's that's like the band litmus test. Can kids put on a stand on a stand rack? It's the shopping cart of band, right? I still think we're on to something for giving a quarter for every stand you get back. Kids would be like ripping stands from that neighbor. Well, I'll get it! When I was in college, they had um, in practice rooms chant, stands chained. Did you know that? No. Well, and guess what? They were ripped out of the walls. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Sorry, Butler. <laughs> I didn't rip it out, but I did know where the good ones were. So, go dogs! <laughs> so it's like the Aldi's going. What are you doing, dude? Aldi's got it figured out. We're just schmucks. Maybe that should be some of our guests. Would be Aldi's executives. Ooh, Aldi executives. Best business practices using the teaching world. Aldi, if you're listening, shout out. Shout out Aldi. Also, please bring back the um, sports bar trail mix. That stuff is so good. Little blue can, peanuts, honey roasted. Oh, I missed that. Okay, clearly we're running out of things okay. to talk about. <laughs> you got anything? No, I was just thinking. Um, you know, it's about it's about that time. We are starting school tomorrow. I have one more marching band rehearsal tonight. Parent preview. Do a part of our show tomorrow. Teacher day, or take your student to Purdue day. <laughs> dealer's choice <laughs> dealer's choice i'll take what is west lafayette for 500 and then we will do first day of school on wednesday thursday and friday we continue with a little bit of first week of school administration tasks getting things together getting to know our students it's going and then it's we're, time. we hit it the next week yep. for a week straight so i think we're excited yes um it's so going. so um i would like to shout out the chops community can you say we have a we have a chops community uh, we, again we didn't really know what we were getting into when we did this we just decided this was good professional development for us but we wanted to put it out there and, and it is pr good professional it's development. great professional it's great. development but we appreciate the listeners we appreciate what you guys are doing with instagram and and the apple and, and spotify platforms and thank you
Yep. Thank you for being here. It is important us. to subscribe and know that always sounds nutty. Like when I look at other people's content, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But it does help, help helps us kind of find out where we are yes. or where it's hitting or not hitting. And then if you like it or uh, give us a review that, to kind of something tangible that we can see. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell yeah. your colleagues, your coworkers, right. your grandma. Right. Know. Somebody, yeah, somebody away from music education, right? Yeah, or, get it out there. Yeah, anywhere. Any, anywhere. And then share our, our reels on Instagram so we get more plays. That's really what we care about is just the play count. Getting that money. Getting, getting that, that money. money. Boop. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this week for I'll Do It in Chops Podcast. My name is Jack Hinkle. And my name is Steve Peterson. And we're out, out of here. here.